And all God's people said, Amen. 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 It really is amazing uh, what Jesus has done for us, isn't it? Uh, that God would take a um, people like us that are sinners not only by nature but by choice and that Christ would become what we could not be and do what we could not do so that we could become the righteousness of God in him. And so I'm so grateful to God for that. Hebrews chapter 11 uh, this morning, Hebrews 11, I'm going to be speaking uh, for a few minutes this morning on a Christ-centered family, a Christ-centered family. Last night we asked the question, uh, will your family serve God? Joshua 24, 15, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord and um, I know I believe that you're committed to serve the Lord, and I'm committed to serve the Lord. And so this morning, I want to really uh, uh, focus in here on the life of Moses. Why was Moses uh, so influential? How, why, how did God use him to really be the deliverer? He's a typology of Christ. Uh, how, how, it was all what took place at home. And so listen, folks, if we don't get the home right, uh, there's no way we can get the church right because the church is a reflection of what's going on at home. Just keep your seat this morning and listen carefully to the word. Uh, Hebrews 11:23. By faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer the affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ a greater rich or greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. Just stop and think about that for a minute. He considered the reproach of Christ more valuable than all the treasures in Egypt. That's unbelievable to me. And that was because what happened in his training at home. For he looked to the, to the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. For he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he who would destroy the firstborn should touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians attempting to do so were drowned. Uh, would you pray with me? Let's just ask the Lord to minister to us. Lord, thank you this morning uh, that we have an opportunity to gather again and meet. And um, uh, God, look at your word and let your word uh, speak to us. I pray the text would speak this morning. Lord, I pray for every home that's represented here, every man, every woman, uh, Lord, I pray that Jesus Christ would be the center of everything that takes place. God, may we be that visible demonstration of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, we give you praise. Speak to us this morning by the Spirit. Show us the light. May you shine the light on the truth that we might be able to comprehend it and then respond to it. In Jesus' name, amen. was the first institution that God ordained in the Bible. God ordained the family before he did the church. 
and the and the and the family is a representation and and a demonstration of a faith relationship with Jesus Christ which produces what I'm calling this morning a Christ-centered family. And I said last night that Jesus needs to be first. He does, but he needs to be at the center. In other words, everything flows from him. He's the hub. Uh, if I try to put him first, I'll fail. But if he's at the center, then every part of my, every part of my daily life flows from him. My relationship with him, my relationship with my wife, my relationship with my children, where I work, my vocation, my recreation. Christ has to be the center of everything in our lives. Jesus said it uh, this way in Matthew 19. He said, for this reason shall a man leave his father and mother and be, and by the way, you got to leave mom and dad, okay? Uh, you can't depend on mom and dad after you get married. You leave father and mother, be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh so then they're no longer two but one therefore what god has joined together let not man separate what what a great illustration of the gospel that a man or that a man should leave his father and mother repentance that he should be joined to his wife faith the two should become one flesh salvation and the Bible says, in what God has joined together, let no man destroy, eternally saved in Christ. I mean, so the family is the demonstration of the gospel of, uh, of Jesus Christ. So I've entitled the, the session this morning, A, a Christ-Centered Family That God Ordained That Gives Testimony uh, Not Only to Your Children, by the way, your children will, will do exactly what you do. Your children, my children, are a, are, a, are a reflection of what they've been taught in the home. And uh, God help us uh, to disciple our children. Uh, I, I don't know who made the statement, but one man said, you can... You can help many other people come to faith in Christ, but if your children die without Christ, you're a total failure as a preacher. I mean, that's our first priority is our, is our family. So can others see God working through our family? Can the people that know us see a clear picture of the gospel, which is repentance and faith? Listen to these stats. This is unbelievable to me. The Pew Research Center did a survey uh, just several years ago. Only 46% of children lived in a household with both biological parents present. Only 46%. Listen to this. In 1960, 73% lived in a household with both biological parents 34% of children grow up in single-parent households. Fifty years ago, only 9% grew up in single-parent households. So you can see how the family unit has declined. Could that be the reason the church has declined? I really believe it is. 
Because if our families were Christ-centered, we wouldn't need to worry about the church because the church is a representation of what's really taking place in private, uh, behind closed doors. And so it may, may, may very well be the greatest need that we have today is a family revival uh, where Christ is back in his rightful position. The Bible is, it gives a very interesting statement. Here's what it says. By faith, Moses, when he was born. Now, this verse does not mean that Moses, when he was born, believed in God. That's not what it means. What it does mean that he, when he was born, he was born into a faith atmosphere or a Christ-centered family. And, and God used Moses in a mighty way, to, you, you know this, to to lead God's people out of Egypt, to write the very law of God, and God used him to give a shadow or an illustration of Jesus Christ. So I just got a question to pose to you. Where was Moses influenced? Where was Moses equipped? He was only with his biological parents three months. So it's very, very interesting. He was raised in a faith atmosphere. Notice with me, first of all, the parents of a Christ-centered family. The Bible says in verse 23, by faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. Now, that verse right there is packed or pregnant with truth. So the parents, so the Bible begins to unfold how Moses became this man of faith. Now, the parents of Moses are unnamed in Hebrews 11. You have to go to Exodus chapter 6, verse 20, and the Bible gives their names. Amram was one parent's name. You know what it means? It means a people will be exalted. Jochebed is the other name. It means the Lord is glory. So when you put those two names together, here was the mantra of this faith family. Moses lived in a home. This is incredible to me. Where they believed that by faith there would be a people exalted for the Lord that would glorify God. Because names in the Bible meant something. You, did, you didn't just name your child John or Sue or a cool name. We, we've got one, uh, one of our grandchildren's names, Sparrow. Sparrow Callum, 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 Sparrow Callum. I told my wife, we've raised a bunch of hippies. <laughs> I love the name Sparrow. His eyes, I call him Jack. <laughs> and then we got one named Crew. And then we got one named Judah. And then we got one named Nora. Now we know what Judah means, but I don't know what Sparrow means. But my point is, in the Bible... They named their children, it was very significant about what they believed. 
So Moses was brought up in this home that believed that the Lord would be exalted for his glory. Now this is really interesting. Uh, I did a study on this. The Bible says that Moses' parents hid him. He was hidden for three months. Now that word, that word hidden or hid, uh, you know, in my mind I have that they just kept him from Pharaoh, you know the story how that Pharaoh said that all the Egyptian babies to be thrown into the Nile River. But it's, it's, it's much, much deeper than that, what this word means. The word, the word hid means they realized their role as Moses' parents to protect him and prepare him for the future. If you do a word study on that word hidden, it means that they realized their role to protect and prepare him. And Amram and Jochebed took these extreme measures uh, to protect him. That's why they built the little basket and put, put the pitch on it and floated him down the, the Nile River. They were, they were prepared to protect him from evil in the, in the, in the society. And you, and you know about the basket. But today, let me ask you a question. Are we preparing and protecting our children from society? I mean, it's almost like, it's almost like we're throwing our children in the Nile River, so to speak. But a Christ-centered family, the parents really have to understand the role, uh, role to do this. There's just several things about these parents of a Christ-centered family. First of all, they had a godly concern to influence his faith. I mentioned earlier that this word hid and hide does not mean just that they hid Moses, but they protected and prepared him, and, and they literally influenced their child from a godly concern. I just got to stop and ask this question. Do we really have a godly concern about the faith of our children? I mean, if we were... I hope we do, but I see many families that the spiritual welfare of their children is way down the line. I mean, a lot, you, listen, it's, listen the, the spirituality and faith of your kids, and I'm not against anything I'm getting ready to say, it's much more important than their education. It's much more important than their recreation. It's the most important thing we do as parents is influence the faith of our kids. Because at the end of the day, now I'm for education, I'm for recreation. But at the end of the day, all that matters is whether or not your kids know Christ. There's nothing else more important. So this was the primary concern of Moses' parents. No wonder the Bible says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from, it, depart from it. But then secondly, there's not only a godly concern to influence faith, but it's what I call godly convictions to instruct faith. See, it's one thing to say we have faith, but we have to give our children in our home instruction. The Bible says that he saw that he was a Beautiful child. Now listen, all of our children and grandchildren are beautiful. Amen. But again, this word means much more than appearance. 
I mean, it, it does mean that. It means more than he was, more than he was a handsome guy outwardly. Um, Moses' parents had some godly convictions. I just got to ask you a question. Do you have any convictions? I'm talking about just godly convictions. This word beautiful means that they saw Moses as a special child that God would use in the future. Now, I don't have any Bible verse for this. I'm using my sanctified imagination. Can I do that for a second? I wonder if somehow they knew that this was a special job. God can do anything he wants to. I wonder if his parents knew I've got to do everything I can to have godly convictions to instruct this boy in faith because God's going to use him in the future to make a mighty impact and to rescue the people of God. Godly instructions of faith. So they had godly convictions. Acts 7.20 says, at this time, Moses was born, listen to this, and was well-pleasing to God, and he was brought up in his father's house for three months. Acts 7.20. So if we really want Christ-centered families, parents must take the responsibility to protect and to prepare your children. But then we've got to have some you know, a, a conviction is something that's just non-negotiable right. with you. And people have different convictions. You don't have to have the convictions that Missy and I have, but they need to be Bible convictions. I mean, there's just some things that are just non-negotiable with me. I'm not going there. I don't care if the whole church goes that way. I'm not going that way. Right. See, we we got to have men and women that that can think for themselves and develop a systematic theology system that they can't be shaken from. Are y'all with me? Say amen. That's what parenting is. It's, it's teaching your children to be faith people. And then, and then thirdly, it's godly courage to illustrate faith. See, Moses was influenced. Moses was instructed. But also, faith was illustrated to Moses. The Bible says that Amram and Jochebed were not afraid of the king's command. Interesting, isn't it? So they had this godly courage to illustrate their faith to Moses by the decisions and the choices they made. Question, are we illustrating? Am I, are Missy and I illustrating to our children uh, what it means to to really be a faith person, are we, are we taking a stand for faith in our society? I had a text last night from a pastor in town and um, in, in our city. It's, it's unbelievable what's happening in our society. And I'm afraid the church, probably not this one and not, hopefully not ours, but the church at large is sitting by and just being silent and just allowing things to happen. They're having this, they're having this event uh, in our city, they're having a drag show. And the pastor, or this guy that's heading it up, he said, 
can we get some people to go to the city council meeting? I texted him back and I said, I will do my best to be, be there, but what do I do if I bring 200 people? Where are we going to put them? Folks, listen, if we start going, and I'm sure it's happening in this town also. I mean, we got, you know, we've been told, we've been told, you know, just stay out of the, stay out of the, um, stay out of the civic events, stay out of the, stay out of politics. Listen, how in God's name am I supposed to be salt and light if I don't engage the culture? I mean, how can we do that? I mean, we're not going to go to the city council meeting and stand up and preach a sermon. We're just going to go and say, hey, you know what? We're Christians. We believe God ordained marriage between a man and a woman. And we're just here standing against, will you do something in our community so that our children. When I was coming up, nobody was confused about their gender. I mean, everybody knew what a boy was, and everybody knew what a girl was. And a girl didn't want to be a boy, and a boy didn't want a girl. Now they want to be animals. You know what I say? Put a collar on them. Put them in a kennel at night. Listen, but it, listen, the home is the hub where some of this can be corrected. And so they were not afraid of the king's command. In other words, they were not influenced by Pharaoh's command, but they were influenced by their faith. And listen, thank God for this church during COVID, what y'all did. I mean, you, you weren't afraid of Pharaoh's commands. Hey, I repented to my church. I made the wrong decision. God help me. I wish I could go back and redo it, but I can't. But, but our society is seeing how far they can push us. They're, they're seeing how far they can manipulate our minds because they're setting everything up so the Antichrist can come in and just sweep everybody off their feet. Listen, the parents of a Christ-centered family. Amen. Let me move on. I don't have much time. Secondly, the, I, do, I do have plenty of time, but I want to get to what I want to talk about. The priorities. What's the priorities of a Christ-centered family? Let me read verses 24 through 26. By faith Moses, when he became of age. Okay, now he's grown. Missy and I, we have six children. We only have two at home. And uh, they're all pretty much of age right now. And listen, when... Bless my wife's heart. I was off doing ministry and preaching and, and uh, at the church all the time. And if I had it to do over, I would have changed my priorities. But I cannot go back and do that. But my wife basically raised our kids. So if our kids are godly today, it's a result of that lady right back there of the time she's in, invested. Yeah, God, God did bless her. I'm telling you because she had her hands full. But now Moses is of age. Now look, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Interesting. Choosing rather to suffer affliction. I'm going to read it again. So the parents of the family determine the priorities, and the kids then take on the priorities of mom and dad. That's the way it works. So 
we really need a revival of Christian values and Christian priorities in our family. So how are we going to reach others with the gospel if the gospel doesn't influence us at home? See, there's some priorities. Let me just ask you a couple questions. What are the priorities of your family? If you had to list them out. Is godliness and faith the priority? Is, does your calendar support your priority? Oh, now we're going to go to meddling. Does your finances support your priority? I mean, are you teaching your children to be givers instead of takers? All of our kids work and all of our kids, as far as we know, tithe. You know why? Because as children, when they would get birthday money, they would give the Lord 10% of everything they took in. Dad, why have we got to do this? You won't understand now, but you'll understand later. See, there's some priorities. Let me show you the priorities so I can move on. First of all, the priority is to please the Lord. He says they refuse to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. So for 40 years, listen to this, I'm going to give you some history on Moses. For 40 years... Moses had been the prince of Egypt, the, the wealthiest, most cultured, most advanced society of the day. He was highly educated and skilled. He is educated in all the learning of the Egyptians. He was a man of power of words and deeds, Acts 7.22. He knew all the, all the Egyptian uh, language. And I don't believe that he had a speech impediment. I believe that when God called him, he was so broken and so humbled and just that he was speechless and he was afraid that if he would speak, he would get in the way of what God wanted to do. He said, I can't speak. I don't believe that means he had a speech impediment because of all of his learning. In, in, in Egypt, his former education, he could read and write hieroglyphics, probably he knew some of the Canaanite languages. Listen, this was a sharp guy. This was probably one of the most educated people in Egypt. And he had learned Hebrew from his mother, and he could enjoy everything that Egypt had to offer. But in his training in Egypt, his training in Egypt never became more important than his knowledge and his faith in God. You take a child right now, they grow up in church, but if they don't grow up in home, they'll go off to a secular university and they will manipulate their mind and they'll come back and say, I don't believe what I heard him say all my life. But let me tell you the difference. He's going to say it. But if you model it and teach it at home, that's where it sticks. You agree with me, Pastor? That's what happened to Moses. So Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. So when, when Moses reached age 40, he had, a, he had a crucial decision he had to make. 
He had to decide between becoming a full-fledged Egyptian with, with absolute loyalty and no reservations or joining his own people, Israel. I mean, he really did. And the deciding factor was his faith in God that he was taught. And he, he really rejected the, the prestige of his Egyptian status and training and he held on to his devotion to God so that he could please God like Amram and Jochebed, a people will be exalted that will glorify God. Pleasing the Lord. So, so Christ-centered families, our number one priority is to please the Lord. And it's very clear that he taught that in order to please the Lord, you, listen, to please God, you got to be willing to refuse some things. And I'm not being critical or negative. I'm trying to be biblical and, tru and truthful. You cannot be a Christian and not be a disciple of Jesus Christ. I mean, Jesus said it so clearly. If anyone desires to come after me, he must deny himself. He must take up his cross and follow me. So pleasing the Lord requ requires refusing some things. Let me just give you a couple ideas just from studying the life of Moses. We've got to refuse any distraction that will steal away our time from God. Any distraction. If we teach our kids that anything in life is more important than pleasing God, there will be a terrible mistake and it will show up when they become of age. It won't show up while they're young. Listen, I got some families right now in my church, in my, just, listen, just in my humble opinion, are making some terrible mistakes. Terrible mistakes. You say, you're talking to them about it? I talked to them about it before they had children. You talk to them about it now and they get defensive. But I hope this don't happen. When their kids come of age, they're going to come back and they're going to say, will you help us? And I'll say, absolutely, but let me tell you where you went wrong. I can't reverse what you taught them for 15 years. Do y'all see what I'm talking about? We've got to refuse any distraction to take our time away from the Lord. We've got to refuse any possession that will steal our time. We've got to refuse any person. Listen, there's some people that your kids don't need to hang out with. And guess who responsibility it is? Yours. It's not the preachers. He's got his own kids. I mean, listen, there was one point in time where <laughs> people shouldn't have hung out with my kid. <laughs> Missy, am I telling the truth? Yeah. I mean, if you've never had a struggling child, in the things of God. It'll help your prayer life. I'll tell you that. But today. We see a difference. Here's what he, he would make statements like this. I hate church. He'd say. Dad I. I love Jesus but I hate church. I said son I got about 400 like that. In our church. But the training and the teaching now 
He's 18. He's got a different mindset. You're responsible for your kids. Now let's just set the record straight while I'm here. Can I do that? It's not the church's responsibility to raise your kids. The church's responsibility is to come alongside your kids with children's ministry and student ministry to reinforce what you ought to be teaching them at home. That's what Amram and Jochebed did. Per secondly, and I'm going to hurry and stop, pursue the Lord. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. So Moses had to refuse before he could choose. And so if pleasing God is not my priority, pursuing God will never happen. And he, he chose to suffer affliction with the people of God rather to enjoy pleasure. So he was taught that if he's going to please God, he must pursue God. You say, what do you mean by pursuing God? Just make the right choices when things get tough. You might have to stand alone. It's okay to stand alone. I'll just give you one illustration. I'm going to move on. Our um, next to oldest son was very, he was a very good baseball player. I mean, he could, son, he could do it. He could hit the ball. He could, he could pitch. He could run. He was very, very athletic, and he was good. But we have a conviction that our children are not going to play ball on Wednesday night or Sunday. We've got five other days of the week that we can play ball. So the coach comes to Missy and says, um, I'd like to talk to your husband about, about Joseph's baseball playing. She said, you can talk to him if you want to, but I'm just saying it's not going to change. And here's what they ask us. You know, y'all going to really laugh. Because on Wednesday nights, if Joseph was on the mound, church starts at 7. You see, y'all are going to think we're radical. We are. When we got saved, everything changed. Amen. At 6.45, if he was on the mound, Joseph, it's time to go. He'd walk off the mound, get in the car, and go to the youth group. Because here's the deal. The chances of my son going to the major league are very slim. But the chances of my son growing up to be a man are very high. So they come to us and they said, we want him to play on the weekends. We said, well, you know, we've got Friday and Saturday. Listen, we'll go anywhere. We'll fly anywhere. We'll do anything. Friday and Saturday, you can do it. But we're not playing on Sunday. And they said, Reverend. <laughs> I really don't like that word, but it, yeah, Rebbe Rev, you remember that? Can y'all not become Methodist for about eight weeks? We said no. We're Christians. We're not just Baptists. We're Christians. Sir, you don't understand that we're preparing and protecting our child to grow up to be a godly man so that he can lead his family. And then he got older, he didn't even want to play sports. Pursuing, making the right choice. And by the way, 
there'd be church members sitting around and watch us walk off the field or him walk off the field and go to the student group and they'd stay right there and wouldn't go. Did we judge them? No. But I'm just telling you, very few people will pursue God the way the Bible teaches. But brother, we need revival in the families. Amen. It's pleasing God. It's pursuing God. Let's move on. And then it's proclaiming God. Verse 26, and I'm finished. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. So Moses proclaimed the Lord to others by the choices he made when he became old enough to choose for himself. And the conclusion was that it was more important for him. And you listen, had this man not made the right choice, He's out in the wilderness. This bush catches fire. Now all the training of Amram and Jochebed, it's time to see if it's going to stick. This bush catches fire. And Moses made the right choice, knowing that he couldn't do it. Who am I going to say sent me? God, I can't do it. I can't speak. I think he told a lie. Well, I'll raise up Aaron then. And he made the right choice. And this man was able to stand before Pharaoh and said, I am that I am, said, let my people go. Oh, could we raise some godly men and godly women in our homes? Be a Christ-centered family. Let's pray together. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your people. Thank you for blessing our time together. I pray that every man and every woman, every marriage in this room would be challenged that Jesus Christ, oh God, be the centerpiece of not only their personal lives, but of their home and their family. That God, their offspring, their children and grandchildren may be able to take the gospel and hand the banner to the next generation. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you.